Hello and welcome to the Gestalt IT on-premise IT roundtable, the only podcast that dares to be both on location and on topic. My name is Tom Hollingsworth and I'm a staff writer and, and network analyst for Gestalt IT and each week, each episode, we bring you luminaries from the IT community to discuss and debate a premise, if you will, related to IT. I'd like to take a few moments to introduce today's guests on the podcast, starting with Zoe. Hi, I'm Zoe Rose, and you can reach me at 5683monkey on Twitter. I'm Paul Snyder. You can reach me on Twitter at PTSnyder. I'm Brandon Traffenstedt. You can find me on Twitter at, at CyberArk. All right. Thank you very much for joining us today. Uh, let's hop into this episode's premise. So everyone out there, you have a password of some kind on something somewhere. Could be as simple as an ATM pin, or it could be as complicated as the password that you use to log into your Apple account. However, we hear a lot of conversation about whether or not those passwords should be changed regularly. And there's a lot of discussion on both sides of this topic, but today's premise is that you should change your passwords regularly. In fact, you should probably change your password as often as you change your socks. At least that's the going common wisdom. Now I'd like to ask our guests, should you change your passwords regularly? Not as much as you change your socks, unless you have really smelly feet. Why is that, Um, Zoe? Well, because the way that we work is we remember certain things, like the Myth, myth of passwords is that you need to make them really complex, hard to guess, you know, um, can't be related to anything in your life. You can't, I don't know, you can't um, have it, your pet's names, but you can't have it, your travel, you can't have it. So basically, create a password that you're never going to remember. That's the premise. That's not going to work. How are you going to remember? How are you going to log in? The actual best solution is choosing a longer password, and whilst it might relate to something going on in your life, that's okay because the length is important and you have multiple different layers to protect against. If you have to change it every 30 days or 90 days, what people do is they use the most common uh, symbol in, every pass- in passwords, which is the exclamation mark. They add an exclamation mark, they add numbers, they add random things. Um, if you remember oh, a couple of years ago, they had um, that French news agency that um, they had their passwords on the back wall while they were filming in it. Mm-hmm. And their password was, this is the YouTube password. Because it's easy to remember, but it was in French, so clearly you wouldn't be able to guess it. The reality is, if you have to change it more often, it's actually going to make it less secure. Paul, what do you think? Should you change your passwords regularly? So I think you should. I'll take the opposite opinion of uh, Zoe here, but I think you should. And I think there's a couple tools that enable users to be able to do that in a an easy manner, like password managers. Mm-hmm. So it'll enable you to have a password that has no relation to you. So if you get a bad actor who decides to research you on LinkedIn or look into your, your past and they find out this is the high school you went to and this was your dog and this is your street address and, as you say, it, all the mythical things, which I would, I would agree with somewhat, uh, but... If you have that conversation with what your password shouldn't be with a, a normal everyday user in HR or wherever, and you start listing these things off, you can watch their facial expressions and they start smiling because you've guessed what they've done. So if you start using a, a, something like a password manager, you can start maintaining you know, 17 to 20 digit passwords that don't relate to anything you do, can be changed 30 to 60 days, and all you have to do is maybe a simple copy and paste. Maybe it's as easy as staying logged in or biometric uh, to get into it. Uh, but I, I think that changing them 
uh, is a more proactive approach than reactive. Now, Brandon, you work a lot with passwords, <laughs> and you've seen all kinds of password hygiene issues all over the place. What's your position on this? Should you change your passwords regularly? So we'll, we'll, we'll draw kind of a line in the stand of distinction between personal passwords mm -hmm. and then built-in super critical privileged passwords. And let's start with the personal first. So uh, from my perspective, uh, you should change your personal passwords. But as Zoe mentioned, if you were changing it as often as you would socks, then the socks would have fused to your feet. Um, sure. Doing a biannual password change using passphrases is the way to go. However, there comes a point where you stop relying on the security of the individual, my personal security, and begin to trust that secret with whatever organization you're dealing with. Mm -hmm. So that no matter how beautiful of a passphrase I've created, uh, Gestalt, application, taco, business card, which isn't a bad right. passphrase, but if the database that passphrase is sitting in becomes compromised, I now have to go change it anyway. So by doing programmatic changes, or at least biannually changes of my personal password, I can now steal myself to that type of access. However, on the database end, that built-in credential, that needs to be rotated by the company who's actually servicing your data. So I guess I'm, I'm midpoint all across mm -hmm. that. Change your passwords, use passphrases, do it semi-often, but also, if you've got any kind of relationship with the people who are storing your data, tell them that you expect them to change their privileged passwords, mm -hmm. too. So uh, how do you track that, though? Because that's one of the problems that we run into. I mean, the way that I know if I've changed my password recently in the last six months is I just count the number of Post-it notes on my monitor. And when <laughs> I get to the last one, if it's been like, you know, seven months, then I know I need to change my password again. And then I go write it on a new post-it note and I stick it up there and you know, maybe the glue falls off or something like that. But it's hard to keep track of those things. I mean, we, we obviously now we have password managers, but I mean, how can you do this? What's a good way? So it depends on the solution. Like if, you can, if you're in a place where you can use a password manager and that works for you, brilliant. Because they do have built-in things that actually monitor that for you. But if you're the case of, so I'm a director of the Fair Association back in Canada. And there's people in that association that cannot use password managers. It just does not work for them. And so they literally write down their passwords in a physical book. Their threat actors are not um, nation states, so where they're going to break into the house and steal the book. Um, it's opportunistic. And so for them, it's actually physically crossing it out and changing it. But to support that, because that does get confusing with all of these different passwords out there and different accounts, is I actually like to say minimize um, your landscape, minimize your footprint. So if you can use a guest checkout, use that instead of creating a password. Mm -hmm. Or um, if you, you know, have single sign-on. In some scenarios, it's actually beneficial, especially if you're not going to sign into that all the time and it doesn't have things like your credit card details and so on and so forth. But the biggest thing is if you are making an account, you're now giving power to somebody else and they you know, have access to it and they're responsible for securing it, change it as frequent as works for you, but also take back control by enabling multi-factor authentication. That's a good point. We'll get into multi-factor in just a minute. Okay. Paul, your thoughts? Yeah, so uh, actually 
almost want to challenge that, okay. that concept because in my eyes, having a notebook is just a physical password manager. So I would make the argument, and maybe this is just me being too simple-minded, um, but when I think about a password manager, and you know whether it be something like LastPass or whatever other s solution that's out there that you want to use, uh, what if you have a notebook with all these passwords into your point? That is still a physical password manager. So if they need to find it, they have to open a notebook, scroll through, find it, so on and so forth. The other big issue I see with having um, a never changing your, your password is, you know, the the argument that I could somewhat understand is, to your point, explanation point at the end, something everyone will remember, something easy, uh, user behaviors are just the way they are. Well, if you're going to have a bank and you're going to have maybe fantasy football and whatever else, you're going to use the same password for multiple places. You find out, hey, there's been a LinkedIn password dump. Oh, I better change my LinkedIn password. And I'm never going to change it unless something like that happens. Well, maybe you forgot that you use that same password for your bank account. And now that password's been compromised. Now you have a compromised password on your bank account. And you don't change it at a frequent enough uh, ratio that it is now a compromised password. Maybe you forgot that it was there because I forget a lot. I'm sure most people do. But if you have that compromised password in other locations that you don't remember to keep changing at irregular intervals, now you've exposed yourself to um, quite a risk. I agree with that to a point, but I'm not. I'm not saying don't ever change your password. I'm more saying you know do it in a way that works for you, as well as. Reusing passwords doesn't mean, like, I'm not saying, oh, don't change passwords and reuse them. No, 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 please don't reuse your passwords. <laughs> That's not a good idea. <laughs> limit, limit the number you have to have to what works for your environment, but also, you know, keep different passwords. Brandon, how do you, how do you think we should keep track of rotating passwords and making sure that we're expiring them appropriately? So what, what we've done is we've assembled a, a group of engineers, and, and one thing that I, I tend to know about engineers is sometimes we, uh, we think of things as, as ones and zeros. We're, we're very binary. Um, but I think uh, one thing that we could all agree on, I hope, is that we've got to be pragmatic about this, but also practical. In areas where it makes sense to use a password manager, use a password manager. I'm not going to... Uh, uh, wash every single dish by hand if I have a dishwasher. But sometimes there are things, very small things that you take care of. I don't know why, but you can't wash them in a dishwasher. So I'll wash them by hand. The same is true with a password manager. There may be accounts that exist outside of that flow for some reason. So for those, make sure that multi-factor is enabled, for instance. And even then, we have a smaller group of accounts outside of whatever management process um, on the notebook side of things. I wouldn't say a notebook. Uh, the notebook goes with you. The notebook can be left behind. If you look in my notebook outside of all the nonsensical scribbles in there, you'll probably find some identifiable information. So make sure it's something that's either A, bolted down, or B, behind a lock. Your door mm -hmm. key is multi-factor. So if you've got your notebook there and it never leaves, that's better than having all your passwords the same. But there are different degrees of layers of security. And for me, I'm going to automate as much as I can because I can't remember passwords and I can't be bothered to do the changes. So why not use free and open source technology to help me? So let's, let's dive into this multi-factor thing a bit, because this is the, one of the, the things we hear a lot of. You know, oh, well, you know, let's do multi-factor. And for those of you listening at home, multi-factor authentication is components of something you know, something you have, and something you are. And ideally, you want at least two of those to authenticate yourself. Well, obviously, a password is something you know. Um, as you mentioned earlier, a key is generally something you have. So both of those things together is a good authentication mechanism. But I actually want to focus on that third thing. 
something you are. This is biometric security. This is one of the things that I heard as soon as the new iPhone came out and had Touch ID on it. Oh, Apple, you want me to change my pen all the time. What's going to happen whenever I need to change my password now? Do I need to get a different thumb or a different retina print or a different face in the case of Face ID? Is biometric security a better solution for not having to change your password all the time? Because let's face it, I could change my face, but then I'd end up looking like Nicolas Cage, and that's like face off too. Nicolas <laughs> so. Cage. Um, I think... I think that at the end of the day, I disagree that passwords are going to go away. A lot of people say that biometrics are solutions for passwords. And I actually, I like, I like passwords. I like having that control where I get to choose it and going through borders. And they, in some places, they can, they can get your, like they can scan your face, whoever, but they can't ask for your password. That's not always true. I do realize there are, they've changed rules a bit, especially here in the US, but I like that control over it. I wouldn't say that biometrics are a better solution because um, take voice ID, for example. Um, I've known, I worked with um, BBC a while back um, uh, doing uh, recording and um, the director is a twin with one of the people we were on the show with. And they did a test where the twin was actually able uh, to replicate his brother's voice when he called the bank. So he got through, you know, and, and biometrics is as lovely if they, as they are. They're not perfect. However, I own my own mind. And theoretically, I should be able to have a password that works for me and theoretically is unique um, versus, you know, our faces are okay, but we don't have control who's monitoring them. We also, you know, at the end of the day, it's not going to be perfect. I do like layering it on for sure, but... I wouldn't say that it's, if it's something regarding my bank, I'm not comfortable with my bank logging, logging in being my face. I'm just not comfortable with that. Paul? So uh, I, I kind of agree with you. I don't think that biometrics are a replacement for passwords at all. Uh, I think it is a great type of multi-factor authentication, though. Uh, you know, there's a lot of regulatory requirements around multi-factor authentication for access to non-public uh, systems or privileged accounts. Uh, where you have to have MFA in place. And in my consulting days, I'd see some organizations who would do something like your device has a cert on it, so you have that, and now you're going to VPN or RDP or what have you with a password. And that technically fits the requirements of a checking a box for MFA. Um, that's a terrible example <laughs> of secure MFA, but that checks a box. So, you know, you see organizations using those. Something you know and something you have still is MFA. However, I do see biometrics being a great alternative to the something that you, uh, something you have in, in the sense that it's very difficult for an organization to put your fingerprint inside of a computer and just leave it there. Um, so, you know, where you might have a cert-based uh, on, on a device that would very easily be replaced by a biometric scanner or retina reader, you know, whatever the case is. Uh, and I think that would make some great improvements to MFA uh, for some of those organizations that are just like, we're going to do enough to skate by. <laughs> now, Brandon, earlier you brought up a, a divide between personal security and enterprise security. And obviously, biometrics has a, a big thing to do with that because while I, I may want to authenticate my users by using their face or their thumb or their eye, I don't necessarily want the database login for the service account to be some random employee's eyeball, right? So how, how can we square this whole idea of biometric authentication with some of the more 
um, hairy parts of the enterprise? I think in general, biometric authentication is kind of hairy when you look at it from the concept of trust. Mm -hmm. Um, Leveraging, say, a fingerprint to authenticate to a service works well. It works for the end user until you start to pull apart the chain of trust there. By submitting my fingerprints to a service, I now trust that service to store those fingerprints and my personally identifiable information in a responsible way. If that way fails for whatever reason, now anyone could potentially be Brandon. So for personal-based access to publicly-facing systems, I tend to look at biometric as something to be used sparingly. Um, I'll prefer something that's non-identifiable, like uh, a certificate, for instance. Even while it can be broken, SMS-based multi-factor is a lot better than having some organization storing my biometrics. That's I feel like there's some sort of dystopian novel that, that goes into that, that narrative. But when we're looking at, on the other corporate end of the scale, um, yes, uh, logging into a database with one user's eyeball, or for instance, using an AWS or Azure account with multi-factor for only certain users, uh, one thing we've seen be very successful is leveraging an enterprise password manager, placing multi-factor in front of that access, so now we have some control. It's in our environment, our security practices are controlling it, and then allowing access to whatever federated entity. The other benefit there is the technologies that exist in your corporate stack may not be hip to biometric-based multi-factor or even multi-factor at all. So by having the intermediary, on-prem stuff, all that goodies, without actually having to worry about this thing supporting whatever authentication happens to be in vogue at that particular time. I, no, I definitely agree with that. I think there's only a matter of time before we start seeing thumbs hanging outside of server room doors, so you can use that one thumb to get in for biometric. 3D printed thumb, though, so it's yeah. just not as brutal. Yeah, that's that's I, not gory at all, man. <laughs> I, if it has a smiley face on it, though, it's fine. Yeah, yeah, that's right. fine. Just draw fine. On um, but I think, I think the other bit that really stands out to me in personal use is, you know, if, if it's my biometrics and it's my phone, then whatever. But... Um, um, I prefer, I do prefer like YubiKey or tokens of some sort, but then when you get into the enterprise, now you have to not only support that and reset <laughs> anytime there's an issue and you don't want to obviously fail open because that kind of defeats the purpose. So there's this mix of like usability and security for the user, but also for the company and their capability of supporting it. If I could, I would make all my users have like a password and a token but that's not going to work for them because they're going to lose the token. They're all remote. You know, it's, it's not, it's not going to work. So in some situations, I get the benefits of biometrics, but I still like the SMS. I still like things like Duo, where it's like a push notification. You say yes to that. I, I like those more. I mean, it, it, overall, it sounds like, you know, the idea of changing passwords regularly is a contentious one. There are both pros and cons, and there are reasons why you would do it, and there are reasons why you wouldn't. And I think that ultimately what it comes down to is you have to think about what you're trying to do. Are you putting the onus on your users to keep their passwords updated regularly with the possibility that they will regularly forget them? Mm-hmm. Or are you taking the chance that if you only rotate them once every, every six months or every year that we hope that we don't get breached in that amount of time? And you can add layers to that because in defense in depth is the key there. You know, multi-factor authentication, whether it's your thumb or a thumb drive or your password is all thumbs. 
That will just about do it for this episode of the On-Premise IT Roundtable. You can always check out the latest episode of this podcast if you head over to our website at gestaltit.com slash podcast. You can also find us in your favorite podcasting application of choice as well as on iTunes. And if you found us on iTunes, do us a favor, leave a review, leave a rating. That helps spread our great premises to the people out there and get some more viewers and listeners. So for our wonderful guests... For Tom Hollingsworth and for the rest of the folks at Gestalt IT, go change your password. <laughs> <laughs> Nick so. Cage.